Welcome, friends! I'm your host, Adrian, and yes, you found us. Stamp Stories, a podcast about Canadian stamps and the stories behind them. Yeah! So if you love stamp collecting, Canadian history, or both, this is the show for you. This is episode number 27, and today we'll be talking about a famous cartoon bear with a Canadian connection and the Stamps Canada Post created with Walt Disney Canada to celebrate a special milestone. More in just a moment. Hello friends, thanks for joining us. Today I'm so excited to share the history of Winnie the Pooh, a fictional anthropomorphic teddy bear created by English author A.A. Milne, and would also become a bear loved by millions. However, before the books came a real bear and a Canadian connection. So let's start with that before we delve into the stamps. In 1914, when World War I broke out in Europe, in Canada, many young men ran to the aid of England, including a fellow by the name of Harry Colburn, a veterinarian from Winnipeg. As his troop train was heading east, he gets off the train at White River, Ontario, and sees a hunter selling the cubs of a bear he had just killed, and he bought it for $20. So Captain Colburn bought a cub bear, and then he just decided to name her Winnie, after his hometown of Winnipeg. Now, during the time that Harry spent training for the war with other members of the Canadian Expeditionary Forces at Valcartier, he also trained Winnie. He would reward her with apples and a mixture of condensed milk and corn syrup. The cub slept under his cot and followed him around like a puppy. When not climbing tent poles or playing with her owner, the gentle bear posed for photographs with soldiers and became the regiment's mascot. In early October of that year, Colburn boarded the military transport SS Manitou with Winnie in tow as he sailed to England for additional instruction. After seven weeks of training in England, the veterinary officer was called to the Western Front in France. On December 9, 1914, shortly before heading to the front, Colburn brought Winnie to her new home at the London Zoo. They had just opened a new bear habitat and it resembled a mountain landscape, so certainly a much better place to keep Winnie than, you know, obviously the front of a raging war. Also, the bear had a remarkable temperament. As a matter of fact, the zookeeper Ernest Scales told a London newspaper in 1933 that Winnie was quite the tamest and best-behaved bear we ever had at the zoo. And Winnie was so well-behaved that children were allowed to enter the bear pit to ride on Winnie's back or feed her out of their hands. Among the kids who had the fortune of getting up close with Winnie was a boy named Christopher Robin Milne. When the war ended in that fall of 1918, Colburn reunited with Winnie at the zoo. In spite of his promise to take the black bear back to Canada after... Uh, the war, he knew that his pet no longer belonged to him. It belonged to the people of London. After saying his final goodbye to Winnie, Colburn returned to Winnipeg, where he continued to work for the Department of Agriculture, opened a small animal hospital in the rear of his house. In the meantime, though, 
during this whole time. Christopher Robin Milne grew very fond of the London Zoo star attraction, and he changed his teddy bear's name from Edward to Winnie the Pooh, an alchemation of the black bear's name and a moniker he had bestowed upon a swan he used to feed in the morning. Now, Christopher's dad was A.A. Milne, who was a prolific playwright, screenwriter, and detective novelist. He was also a contributor to humor magazine Punch when he first brought the character Winnie the Pooh to life in a poem in his 1924 book of children's poetry called uh, When We Were Very Young. Now, the quick popularity of this poem would then inspire his first collection of stories, beginning with the book Winnie the Pooh in 1926, followed by Now We Are Six in 1927, and The House at Pooh Corner in 1928. And all four volumes were illustrated by E.H. Shepard, who, you know, really had an influence on the early look and feel of Winnie the Pooh. A.A. Milne also took inspiration from many of the real-life childhood nursery toys of his son, Christopher. Many of the animals featured actually in the Winnie the Pooh and the House at Pooh Corner, including Piglet, Tigger, Eeyore, and the eponymous bear himself, all were toys bought from Harrods Toy Store in London by Christopher's own mother, Daphne Milne, at the time. And, you know, Winnie the Pooh was just a real phenomenon. So by January 1930, a man by the name of Stefan Schlesinger purchased the U.S. and Canadian merchandising, television recording, other trade rights to Winnie the Pooh from Milne for a $1,000 advance and a 66% of Schlesinger's income, creating the modern licensing industry. By November 1931, Pooh was a $50 million a year business. Sadly, Winnie, the real bear that had inspired it all, passed away Saturday, May 12, in 1934, at the age of 20. But her fame was such, though, that her death made news all around the world. This also did not slow down Schlesinger, who marketed Winnie the Pooh and his friends. He pushed the character to all sorts of mediums for more than 30 years. He created the first official Pooh doll, along with records, board games, puzzles, U.S. radio broadcasted shows, animations, and even a motion picture film. The first time Pooh and his friends appeared in color was in 1932, when he was drawn by Schlesinger in his now familiar red shirt and featured on an RCA Victor picture record. Parker Brothers also introduced A.A. Milne's Winnie the Pooh game in 1933. Again, Pooh was in his red shirt. Although the most popular among the first items Schlesinger wanted to produce were stuffed animals in order to fulfill the fantasy every child had of playing with his or her favorite character. He licensed a couple of companies to create the toys, but they never really looked like they did in the illustrations, but they would. During World War II, a New Yorker named Mary Alice Clark got the right to create Winnie the Pooh doll under a license from Stefan Schlesinger, Inc. She hired Agnes Brush to assist, who created the first plush dolls with Pooh in his red shirt. The original illustrator E.H. Shepard had drawn Pooh with a shirt as early as the first book, Winnie the Pooh, which was subsequently called Red in later colored editions. And then in 1948, Agnes Brush assumed the Pooh license and began to make Pooh and his friends at her home. After Schlesinger's death in 1953, his wife Shirley Schlesinger Laswell assumed control of his enterprise. With a renewed vision, she launched a retail campaign that expanded the distribution of Pooh products nationwide. 
Agnes Brush, who had made these high-quality dolls, could not satisfy the greater demand Shirley Schlesinger marketing had created. In 1961, after a period of being wooed by the irrepressible Walt Disney, Shirley Schlesinger licensed certain commercial rights to the Pooh brand to the Walt Disney Company in return for royalty payments to Stefan Schlesinger, Inc., and as part of the agreement, Disney received the rights to make toys of these characters. The same year, A.A. A. Milne's widow, Daphne Milne, also licensed certain rights, including motion picture rights to Disney. In 1966, Disney released Winnie the Pooh and the Honey Tree. It was the franchise's big screen debut as part of the Disney family. Subsequently, over the years, Disney released numerous animated productions starring Winnie the Pooh, including movies, TV shows, books, and other merchandise. But I don't think I really need to continue all that history, though, because we know Winnie the Pooh is popular, and I really want to get to the stamps. So let's fast forward to 1996. It's the 25th anniversary of the opening of the Walt Disney World Resort in Florida. It's also when Canada Post signs a deal with Disney to create Winnie the Pooh stamps to feature the storybook bear on a series of four stamps and highlight his Canadian heritage. The stamps are marketed as the special release from Canada Post as part of the celebration of International Stamp Month. So on October 1st, 1996, Winnie the Pooh stamps were released in two product offerings, a stamp booklet and the other being a souvenir sheet. Both contained domestic rate stamps, which was 45 cents at the time. The four stamps in the Winnie the Pooh set were designed in animation style in collaboration with the Walt Disney Company Canada Limited. The stamps were done in watercolors by Y. Poon and under the direction of Anthony Van Bruggen, both of the Walt Disney Company Canada. A total of 30 million stamps went on sale October 1st, 1996, and the sales ended March 21st, 1997. The stamps were printed by Ashton Potter, Canada Limited. Now let's look a little deeper at the design of the stamps. I will use the example of the souvenir sheet to comment on the design. There are four stamps on the sheet in a clockwise order, linking the progression from Winnie's early days as a real black bear owned by Colburn, all the way to being part of the Disney family. You get a sense of the historical connection between these images represented on the sheet by the tree trunk in the middle that unites them. It's also clear that uh, this is a Disney production on the souvenir sheet with a 25th year celebratory logo with the Disney Cinderella Castle logo in the top right to the supporting Winnie the Pooh characters Piglet and Tigger celebrating in front of Disney's Magical Kingdom as they approach Winnie the Pooh in his red shirt celebrating under a tree. The image in the bottom right has a Disney copyright logo in case there was any mistake. Now let's look closer at each stamp. So each image is accompanied by a caption in both English and French identifying the source or the idea behind the stamp. The first stamp at the top left is an animation of Winnie the Black Bear, you know, the actual bear, not Winnie the Pooh at this point, right? It's just Winnie the Black Bear being fed by Lieutenant Colburn, and it's noted as being in White River, Ontario, 1914. Next to that stamp on the first row is a young Christopher Robin Milne, uh, who is his only son with a date of 1925, and he's holding up what looks like a toy bear. Then in the second row to the left and the third stamp is a recreation of E.H. Shepard's vision of Pooh and some of his friends. 
E.H. Shepard, as we noted earlier, was the original illustrator for Milne's books. And then finally, the last stamp shows the modern Disney version of Winnie the Pooh sitting with a pot of honey in his lap and Disney's iconic castle in the background. These are beautiful stamp sheets for stamp collectors and also fans of Winnie the Pooh. However, at the time, that final stamp showing Winnie the Pooh sitting in front of an image of Walt Disney World caused a stir in some parts. Simon de Jong, a new Democrat and MP for Regina Capel and critic for Canadian Heritage, held a press conference at the time to condemn these stamps. During the press conference, according to the Montreal Gazette article at the time, de Jong said... Winnie the Pooh often describes himself as a bear with a very little brain. Well, I think Canada Post has entered into a campaign of very little brain. We are losing our identity. We are, as a country, promoting a foreign, privately owned theme park, and we're promoting it on our stamps. So the controversy was also highlighted on CBC's Midday in November 1996. Let's listen into the segment with Simon DeYoung and co-host Brent Banbury. Mr. DeYoung, what's your problem with the Pooh stamps? No problem with uh, our beloved Winnie appearing on the stamps. My problem is uh, having uh, the Magic Kingdom of Walt Disney in Florida appearing on a Canadian stamp. And what's wrong I with think that? That's, well, I think that's a little uh, too commercial. I mean, uh, are we up for sale to the highest bidder? I mean, maybe uh, Coca-Cola should also be offering uh, some money to appear on our stamp. Perhaps we should be flying the McDonald's flag on top of the Parliament buildings. I mean, where do you draw the line? Well, I mean, if, if it was, say, a Canadian company like, like the CN or, or, or Canadian Pacific being commemorated, would you object to that? I mean, is, is this a nationalist objection? In part, um, in part, it's also an objection to some of the commercialization that's occurring. I mean, you know, should the Queen's carriage you know, have a little sign saying sponsored by, or when the Pope gives his blessings uh, in St. Peter's Square at Easter, should he also be sort of, you know, uh, be throwing in a little commercial? I mean, it becomes a little crass, I think. And, and I think Canada, you know, uh, Surely we've got a little bit more class than that. It's, it's the crass uh, commercialization. Normally, our postage stamps are used to commemorate historic events. I mean, you know, if we're going to have the CPR, for example, all right, uh, perhaps it's on there because you know, of the completion of, of the railway. I mean, if there's some historic event or, you know, the, the uh, National Museums, for example, have been trying to get on the stamps to commemorate the 50th anniversary. I mean, these right. are all sort of national things. Stamps are a way for a country to advertise itself and for Canadians to be able to become aware of itself. To have a foreigner, and it doesn't matter whether it's American or whatever, but to have a foreign commercial private enterprise being exhibited on your stamps, I think is a little too class. Canada Post spokesman Tim McGurran also was on this program right after Simon DeYoung and responded to this criticism. Tim McGurran, why does Canada Post have a stamp with Walt Disney World on it? Well, first of all, we have to look at it in the context of all four stamps. And every October is Stamp Collecting Month, not just in Canada, but postal administrations around the world celebrate this. What we aim to do is, is come up with a topic that is of interest to the general public and more so to youth. And I think we've accomplished that with, with these stamps. Okay, but why, if you're going to tell the story of Pooh, why do you have to include Disney World? Well, you really can't tell the story of Pooh without Disney World. They play a key role and have for the last 30 years. They've made the bear uh, one of the most beloved characters after A.A. Milne obviously created a wonderful children's story out of it. So is this part of your deal? When, when you struck the deal with Disney, they said, okay, but you have to show Walt Disney World and one of the stamps? Well, actually, the stamps were designed by Walt Disney Company Canada, and I think they did a fantastic job. But no, we, we, it wasn't part of the deal. 
when we decided to do the stamps, we wanted to show the, the whole evolution of Pooh or Winnie from his origins in 1914 in White River, Ontario, all the way to 1996, the present. And hopefully there's, there's a great deal more for the story to come. Because there is a lot of concern here that what's going on is there's a form of cross-marketing. And, and Disney is cross-marketing the 25th anniversary of Walt Disney World in Florida through the use of Canada postage stamps. Well, absolutely. That, that, it is a joint promotion. There's no doubt about it. And at the same time, we're getting a great deal from Disney because they're opening up avenues we've never approached before. We've, we've literally talked to thousands of journalists around the world about these stamps, and we're getting rave reviews from just about everybody. But what about Mr. DeYoung's concern? The Canada Post is one of our national institutions, and as a national institution, it should reflect the character of Canada. And it's the imprimatur of our identity. When we send stamps out to the rest of the world, we're sending out images of, of ourselves, which does not include necessarily Disney's castle in Florida. Well, I, I beg to differ. I think Mr. DeYoung hit it on the head when he said we should be celebrating our cultural icons, be they people, places, or things. And that's what we're doing here. And in fact, what we're doing is we're letting people know through the images of these stamps that, that Winnie the Pooh in Walt Disney World, Florida today actually started in Canada. Midday co-host Brent Bambury further pressed the Canadian Post spokesperson if they had anticipated criticism from Canadian nationalists. McGurn admitted the Postal Service had expected some pushback. As he noted, we did, and at the same time, we hoped that we would be able to explain our situation, and I believe that we have a very firm footing with the fact that we're repatriating the bear, said McGurin. We're bringing the bear's legend back to Canada. So, I guess the question is now, how did the stamp public see this at the time? Well, luckily, I was able to find an article in the Montreal Gazette from November 7th, 1996, and it seems it was really well received. And I'll just read a little excerpt here as it notes the stamps were very popular. Tim McGurin, spokesman for Canada Post, noted, It's a very hot item. Accessories are also sold. We've got t-shirts and sweatshirts. We have everything from Winnie the Pooh backpacks to fridge magnets available at participating postal outlets. And what about those stamp collectors and dealers? How did they feel about the issue? A good thing is reporter Ken McQueen also got some information on that in the same article, and he noted the following, quote, Stamp dealers aren't as critical. Last week, a Maryland-based company, International Collector Society, placed a quarter-page advertisement in the New York Times under the headline, Disney Winnie the Pooh Potion Stamps and Site Collector Stampede. It was selling the stamps for $12.95 U.S., including postage and handling, to collectors of very little brain. The Pooh Stamp the ad claims, will be by far the most sought after and be the most desirable than the U.S. Elvis stamp, the most popular stamp of all time. Ottawa stamp dealer Ian Kimmerly calls this claim hyperbole. Kimmerly sells the same sheet of poo for its face value of $1.80 Canadian plus tax. We've sold around $1,000 worth, which for us is a phenomenal number for a single new issue. Kimberly figures Canada Post strikes a good balance between highly commercial stamps such as this and the stamps of historical or aesthetic significance. Such stamps attract the non-collector into his Spark Street shop, just as a collector's month issue should, he says. Maybe if we sell 100 sets, one person will become a stamp collector. End quote. So, where do things stand now almost 25 years later? The stamps are still very popular with numerous listings on eBay. And with 30 million stamps out there, everyone in Canada could own one. So they certainly aren't rare. But nonetheless, when I am showing my friends my collection, who are 
mostly not stamp collectors, there is always the pause on this stamp because they just love Winnie the Pooh. And I think this is true for many Canadians as well and many people around the world. So in terms of the controversy, personally, I think it fulfilled an educational purpose of showing the origins of Winnie the Pooh and celebrating how a little Canadian black bear became the inspiration for one of the most beloved characters ever created. This is something Canadians can be proud of and a story which belongs on our stamps. So you should add one to your collection too. So that's it for the 27th episode. Thank you so much for spending the time with me and sharing this show with your friends. We also appreciate you rating the show on your favorite app and taking the time to do so really helps people find our show. Also, don't forget, if you're looking for more info about the show, make sure to check us out at stampstories.ca. Also on our website, you'll find uh, the stamps we mentioned in this episode and other cool historical material by clicking on the notes tab on our website or by visiting the link we've added in the description of this podcast. Don't forget, if you have any podcast feedback, ideas for guests, cool stories, or more, we'd love to hear too. And you can email us over at feedback at stampstories.ca. Finally, if you're on Instagram or Twitter, follow us at our handle stampstoriesca. All one word, it's the best place besides our website to get updates about this podcast. Once again, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again soon for our next episode. Happy collecting!